What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 80 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core, they put games on Saturday in the NFL as the season goes on. What an incredible decision that was. We might have just witnessed one of the best regular season weeks in NFL history. I mean, the amount of games that came down to the wire, we saw the greatest comeback by point differential in NFL history. I still think that the Super Bowl comeback might still have this one, but ended with a lateral gone wrong, a crazy Sunday night football game. I mean, not much more you can ask for in a week of football in the NFL. And again, it just goes to show you why the sport is so great. What an awesome Saturday and Sunday it was. Yeah, I mean, they say any given Sunday in this scenario, any given Saturday or Sunday, but a lot of close games, a lot of, I mean, at least two big comebacks made in uh in week 15. Certainly, prob- certainly the craziest week of the season and probably one of the best weeks, honestly, that I can remember in a long time. It has to be, right? I don't see how there can't be. And we'll start first with the first game of the weekend, obviously, the – Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers played on Thursday night. The 49ers won that game. I believe the score is 21-13. They clinched the NFC West with that victory. Nothing too crazy that we're going to that. So we'll, talk, we'll start the week first in Minnesota, where the Vikings go down 30-30-0. Everybody's shutting off their TV. Me personally, Core, it's finals week. So I'm like, all right, I'll get a little bit of studying in, right? I'll be a responsible student. Next thing I know, I turn on my like computer, and I'm seeing it's um, – like they about to get a fourth down stand I'm like, like a fourth down stand right before like the um, the Dalvin Cook touchdown. I'm like, oh my! I'm like, what happened? I'm like, this is insane. So of course I had to rewatch this game. I mean, first of all, let's just start in the beginning. Like for the Colts to blow a thirty-three nothing lead is absolutely pathetic. I think like it's about like everybody was saying, oh Jeff Saturday on a Saturday, a, no Jeff Saturday on a Saturday, disastrous. The fact that you could blow. That big of a lead, the Vikings scored four touchdowns in a matter of 15 minutes uh, late in the third and then into the fourth quarter. I mean, unreal win for them uh, to be at home and have a comeback like that is probably awesome. You saw the crowd getting so into it for the people who didn't leave. This is also core why I will never leave a sporting event early. Could you imagine being like going into work and everybody's like, oh, yeah, you at the Vikings game right now. Crazy was that comeback? And you're like, yeah, I left at halftime. That's pathetic. <laughs> You just, this is why you can't leave sporting events early. So for the Vikings fans who hung it out long enough, you guys deserve to see history. What an ending. 39-36 in overtime. Greg Joseph, it's a game winner. Kirk Cousins threw for 460 yards in this one, four touchdowns. But, I mean, I'm kind of speechless. Like I said, I'm kind of speechless with this one. This game, yeah, I mean, I was watching this game early, and it starts off. The Colts had, like, a nice kick return to start the game game field goal then they had like a punt block for a touchdown you know like I was watching this game and the Vikings looked absolutely terrible like they could not get a first down they could not protect Kirk Cousins to save their life I mean he was getting a lot of pressure on him you know I was even I have a friend who's a Vikings fan and I was like texting him like dude like what is going on like this is terrible and then I, I don't know I mean the flip just must have switched in the second half. It just seemed they were able to actually get things going. I mean, I guess you could just say the Colts kind of, when you're up 33 nothing. I guess the, the switch kind of like flicks off a little bit. And, yeah, I mean, they gave the Vikings life. 
And yeah, it was a pretty crazy second half. I mean, this was a 36 to 7 game with 453 left in the third. For you to blow a t- like 29 point lead with a quarter in about like like a quarter in a quarter um of the game left, I think that's just kind of crazy and I mean, yeah, I mean Kirk Cousins goes for like 460 in this game. It was just pretty pretty epic to see them come back. I mean, I've never really been on the bandwagon of the Vikings. I'm still really not. But the one thing after this, you got to like just got to just tip your cap to a team come back from 33 nothing. They have you have to have some type of heart, some type of desire. I mean, this is a different team than years in the past. I don't think they're as like they're just not like a they're not very solid. Like I mean, they they, they play a lot of close games, a lot of shaky type games. Like they win close games. But for that, like a team who wins, I mean, the Giants also a team who've won a lot of close games. For you to win a lot of close games like this and come back from deficits like this, you certainly got to be well coached. A lot of heart, a lot of hard work, a lot of like determination. And I mean, with um, Mike Zimmer, they were never winning these close games. So uh, Kevin O'Connell definitely done a good job to keep his team like in this game, like engaged. And yeah, I mean, crazy win for them. And they clinch. The NFC North, great win for them. Yeah, Kevin O'Connell, whatever he said at halftime, 100% worked. There were a couple self-inflicted wounds in the first half. It's not like the Colts just, like, dominated their – like, don't get me wrong, they dominated the first half, but what was it? there was a blocked punt for return for touchdown, and then I think Julian Blackman was the one who had it's the pick six, six yeah. for uh-huh. Indianapolis. So, you know what I mean? Like, I don't – like I said, those are like – I don't want to say freak plays – in a sense, but they, they, they're they not very common occurrences. Those are very fixable if you're the Minnesota Vikings. And clearly they did. They got that out of the system. Their defense really locked in in the second half, too. So that definitely helped them a lot. And they just played a lot loose. I mean, when you're down 33 nothing at half, that's kind of what you do. I guess coming out of that, you, like, you had nothing to lose in a sense. But, yeah, I'm curious, Core, what you think this really says about the Vikings. Because – I'm like kind of at a crossroads here. If the Vikings would have just gotten blown out in this game, right? Everybody and would have sat down and died. Everybody would have been like, "Oh, like the Vikings, right? They suck. Like they're frauds. Look at this and stuff." Them coming back in this game, I don't necessarily think that this is like, "Oh, like all oh, is forgiven with the Vikings early season. They're eleven and three. They're a really good eleven and three football team." I still don't believe that. I think they saved themselves a lot by coming back, and I think they showed people a little more. Like, yes, we might not be this dominant football team maybe that our record indicates but like we are still a good football team which they are like i said they're they're a little bit flawed but there's no denying the fact that you're a team who comes back from 33 points you are a really good football team um you have one of the best receivers in football a guy who's right now looks like he could potentially break the single season receiving yard record kj osborne also had a hell of a day so I, i think i'm curious where you stand on the vikings outlook like i said long-term, like, after a game like this? See, I, like, I'm not really going to say, like, the Vikings, I still think they're not a top-three team in the NFC, but I think the one thing about them is they find ways to win ball, ball games, even against, like, good teams. Like, they beat the Bills in Buffalo when coming back. That was next, a 17-point so comeback, too, I think. So, like, yeah, that I in think- itself is pretty impressive. Like, if you, you start coming back in games, you never, you never out of it. Literally, that's what I'm saying. I think the Vikings, like they are flawed. I don't. I think their O line is really not good, especially like pass 
protecting. It seems like Kirk Cousins, I mean, against like the Niners, I don't know how they're like fair. They'll probably get to Kirk Cousins a lot. But the thing is, I mean, you just got to like, when you're playing a team like the Vikings, even if you go up, I think in the back of your mind, you just got to know, like you got to keep your foot on the gas against this team because like opposed to years past, they do, they do fare well in close games and they are pretty resilient. So I'll give them that. They are a resilient group to come back from these deficits, but I still don't think they're a Super Bowl contending team. I mean, their record says that 11 and three, but I mean, this game, I know they won. I just, yeah, I'll give them all the credit in the world. I just still don't think they're a Super Bowl contending team. I just think they do have a lot of resilience. And when you're like that team in that locker room, I think a game like this is a game you could like refer back to. Like, let's say they're in the playoffs and they're down 17 points or 14 mm. points. They got all thing in the back of their mind. Like we've been here before we can come back from this. So I think that is like something that they have over other teams is, is wins like this. They, they are in a lot of close games. Like they're able to deal with adversity and be, be a resilient group. So I'll give them that. I just don't think, I mean, maybe, I mean, this is a Colts team who has Jeff Saturday guy who's coming off NFL NFL live. I gave him all the credit for, for coming here, but like, against a team like the Niners or like the Cowboys or the Eagles. I don't know if you'll be able to pull this off, but still definitely a resilient group and knows how to win close games. Yeah. I don't want to throw Jeff Saturday under the bus here, but I don't know if a coach who has decent head coaching experience blows a 33, nothing lead that late into a game. I, it's almost mathematically impossible. So you gotta like, unfortunately for Jeff, I mean, the Colts look, they're trying to get a better draft pick too, to draft a quarterback next year. So in a way they probably won in their sense, but I, it bat, very embarrassing for them. But, yeah, the Vikings now are very battle-tested, and they are comfortable with being uncomfortable. So going into the playoffs, I almost, like a game like this helps them, if you ask me. Like, if they would have just blown out the Colts, like, you know what I mean? But, like, mm-hmm. being able to show that resilience and stuff, like, they want to be in a position now late in games in the playoffs where they're like, all right, if we're in striking distance, like, we're comfortable being down by seven with four minutes to play, and maybe – like other teams like aren't as experienced with that because they haven't had to deal with it that much because they haven't been in as many close games as the Vikings have. So maybe this does help them down the line in the playoffs. Like I said, I don't necessarily know if their season expectation, like their outlook changes that much, even though this was one of the best comebacks, like I said, in NFL history, but they definitely saved themselves a ton by winning this game because if they would have lost this game big everybody would have been like the Vikings suck and they're just not even a play like people would have been like uh, like are they even really a good enough to be a playoff team which would have been absurd which they still are so good for the Vikings awesome win I'm curious though real quick before we move on to that you're still going with the Fal- the Falcons choke as worse than this Colts one right in the in Su- referring to the Super Bowl 51 comeback yeah I mean obviously okay. the point differential yeah, I just think the time. Yeah, I mean, the point of is close enough too. Like, you know what I mean? Like eight points. Like, I know it doesn't like it's a possess. Like, still, I th- I think like it's a Super Bowl too. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Saturday t- like saw the team go up thirty three nothing, and he was like, "Oh wait, are we supposed to be tanking? Like, are we supposed to be getting a high draft pick?" And he just he ran the he ran the uh the choke play and just said like, "Let him come back in the game." Is, yeah, I think the meaning for the Colts definitely makes it like not as bad as the Super Bowl. So yeah, definitely the twenty-eight to three chokes worse. 
Good. I, I was making sure. Even the Oilers, the Bills game, when Frank Reich came back uh, with the Buffalo Bills, that was in 1992 season, 1993 was the game because it was in the playoffs. That was the biggest comeback by point differential. That was a 32-point comeback, but that was in the first round of the playoffs. So that also, if you ask me, was definitely in the grand scheme of things bigger, whereas I don't want to say like this regular season game was kind of meaningless in a sense for the Colts, but in reality, it really was. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't take the anything away from back, the Vikings. They came back against um, the Chiefs in um 2014 playoffs also, like 28 down. Oh, What's yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a crazy game with uh, Alex Smith and Andrew. Like, I do definitely remember that. Well, it, it kind of it finally caught up to the Colts. They had to give one back to society. Well, with that being said, an awesome game, like I said. If you watched this one, you saw history. To the people who didn't shut off their TV when it was 33 nothing. The hats off to you. You you deserve that one. All right, moving on to the Sunday night, the Saturday night game. The Buffalo Bills clinch a playoff berth thanks to Tyler Bass's game winner. Let me. The Miami Dolphins score showed me something this week. I thought that they looked like a team who was coming off two losses, and they heard all the outside noise of, "Oh, could we go to Buffalo and win in the snow?" They went toe to toe with the Bills. They come up short, but for a team that. I know they played the 49ers and the Chargers, who are two very good teams. For a team on a three-game, going in on a two-game losing streak, that that was impressive, if you ask me. And they looked very good at some points in this game. And at the end of the day, Josh Allen's just Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. The the Dolphins definitely showed me more than I expected. I mean, I still still thought the Dolphins were a good team, but like the last two weeks, their offense really didn't show up as they did the previous weeks. And, yeah, they came in the Buffalo. And they, they were able to move the ball on the ground and through the air. I mean, Tua Tagovailoa was a pretty – yeah, he had a good game. I mean, two touchdowns, had that long touchdown to Jalen Waddle, and then Mostert on the ground over 100 yards. So even Salvan Ahmed looking pretty good. So, yeah, they definitely showed me some signs of the team they were before, like, the last two weeks. And then, yeah, I mean, the Bills, Josh Allen – Four touchdowns, just yeah, he's Josh Allen. I mean, he's top two quarterback, top two quarterback in the league. And yeah, I mean, this Bills team goes as Josh Allen goes. He's also the leading rusher. Just shows how valuable he is to this team. And I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, the Bills are still a top team just because of Josh Allen. I mean, I think the concerns definitely are on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, at times they've looked good, but I don't know. I mean, sometimes they they like Josh Allen definitely bails them out. And I don't know, against like top offensive teams like the Chiefs, I know they played each other earlier, but I don't know like if it, it will come down to like will they be able to get stops when needed or is Josh Allen going to have to like be super Superman like he always is. But, yeah, both teams showed me something. The Dolphins, I think, can compete. They went into Buffalo in a cold environment and showed they could they can play in that. So I think that's definitely something to look out for. Yeah, I think Miami definitely silenced a lot of those haters. And bringing it back to Buffalo, their defensive line was so good two weeks ago against the Jets. And then this past week, not good at all. I think Miami ran for almost 200 yards. In this game. Yeah, 188 total rushing yards in this one. Seven and a half yards per carry is a really staggering number for a defense that at some points this year has looked dominant. So 
that's something that teams could look to in the playoffs, and that's just going to be able to keep Josh Allen off the field if they're able to run the ball and control a lot of clock. I've said, too, for a while now that Buffalo, really since Allen has taken off, has never been able to find a consistent running game outside of the QB run game. And, like, I understand that Allen can be a featured part of your run game, but he he shouldn't be, like, almost matching the amount of carries week in and week out that the rest of your running backs get. So I, I don't necessarily love it. I know this, this week it was a little better of a split. Like, it was t- he had 10 carries, the rest of them at 19. But yards-wise, he blew all of them out. He had more rushing yards than the other three combined. So, all right, actually, Naheem Hines didn't even get a carry. So, it, it makes me a little nervous how dependent they can sometimes be on Josh Allen. But at the end of the day, Josh Allen is one of the three best offensive players in the sport. I mean, 304 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And the one touchdown that he threw before half where there was like eight seconds left, no timeouts, and he ends up wasting all the clock. And you're like, wow, they're not going to be able to get a field goal now. Josh, what are you doing? And then he makes this unbelievable throw to James Cook for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. just makes you say like, you know what? We do that guy, Josh Allen. He's different. Let him just go play. But I still think obviously I, I'm not changing their postseason outlook. This is still a Super Bowl contending team, but they do have to definitely still patch up a couple holes along the trenches both ways because their offensive line too. At certain points, I know they were a little bit banged up to Deion Dawkins was out at some point. He's back now. Has just been a little shaky, especially. I, I just want this team to be able to control the football more. So we'll see and control the line of scrimmage. When they control the line of scrimmage in games, this team is nearly unbeatable. So let's see if they can do that down the stretch. Core, we will flip it into Sunday where we saw so many games end on the last play of the game. We will start first with the 1 o'clock slate in Jacksonville where Rayshon Jenkins' pick six off of Dak Prescott sealed a Jaguars victory over the Cowboys, a huge combined victory for them. 40 to 34 was the final there. They were down 17 points at some point. The main takeaway from this game is there's a reason why Trevor Lawrence was tagged this generational quarterback prospect. And he's had a little bit of a peaks and valleys year early in the year after that Chargers game, we were so high up on him. And then they, the Jags went on like a five game losing streak. He turned the ball over a bunch. Since, like, week nine, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the sport. This past week, 318 yards, four touchdowns. Zay Jones had a big day. Really was the figurehead in their comeback. And, yeah, yeah, what an awesome win for the Jaguars to have. They now control their own destiny for the AFC South. And not only is this a win that puts them in better playoff position, but this is also, like, like, coming back on the Dallas Cowboys and that defense is a really impressive win. So I, it goes to show you that this Jacksonville Jaguars team, they're only 6-8, and eight, but they're a really good football team. They have – their offense definitely improved. I mean, we said, like, they they give Christian Kirk the, the bag in the offseason. They sign a lot of, like, mediocre-type guys. I don't think – Zay Jones, I think, wasn't on the team last year either. I think he was in Vegas, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, they yeah. bring in Zay Jones. They bring in – Evan Ingram, they bring in Christian Kirk, these three guys. I mean, ETN, over 100 yards on the ground. It's just a very good, balanced offense. When you have Trevor Lawrence, generational talent, who's starting to find himself. I mean, he's been finding himself most of the year. I mean, he had a little bit of growing pains this year. But overall, it's been a really good season out of him. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to do much in the playoffs this year. I still think. The seat, like I still think they're a little bit away, 
But, I mean, the future, I think, for the Jaguars is definitely bright. Trevor Lawrence certainly is that guy. I mean, he certainly is the franchise quarterback. This was a big year for him, um, year two. And, yeah, I mean, to, to do it on, on a Cowboys defense who has been a top unit all year, I think certainly says a lot about them. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad, pretty bad collapse from Dallas. But, I mean, you got to give credit to the Jaguars in – I mean, Dallas, I feel like when their D-line is good, but, I mean, their secondary at times could – like, Kelvin Joseph is absolutely getting cooked by Zay Jones. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a little thing of concern. Like, their D-line can't, like, just get to the quarterback so fast. Um, their secondary, I don't think, is great. So, I mean, Dallas, they have a nice matchup this week against the Eagles, but it's a big win for the Jaguars, I think. If they can beat the Jets, uh, I like their chances to win the AFC South. We'll definitely get into what the outlook is of this Jaguars team the rest of the season. You say the Jets this week, then they have the Texans and the Titans. Even if as long they have to beat the Titans week 18, no matter what, if they want to be a playoff team. And I think they are going to beat the Titans. This game, that game's going to be in Jacksonville as well, potentially for the division. I think the crowd's going to go nuts when it's like there hasn't been a meaningful game in Jackson, Jacksonville in years since they went on that. AFC title run, you could say. So I think this sets them up pretty well. I don't even think this week is must win, but I, I, I don't necessarily, like I said, will they win a playoff game? I, I'm not sure. Maybe. Like, I don't, do I think they're a top four team in the conference? No. But I think that what you see from Jacksonville in year one under Doug Peterson and year two under Trevor Lawrence gives you just so much at, like, to buy into this hype for potentially next year that if they do, if they kill the 2023 offseason, this is a team that you could walk into come the start of the year next year and be like, they have all the pieces. And like m- maybe this is one of those teams that when they get that MVP type year out of the young quarterback, they just ascend to stardom. And they play in a weak division. So those are six division games that you would say are pretty winnable year in and year out, especially if we think that the Jaguars are going to be that much better than everybody else in the division if they make significant upgrades. But with Trevor Lawrence on a rookie deal, the way that he's playing, the Jaguars' window is, like, honestly slightly opening, in a sense, next year. So their general manager has to take advantage of this because, I mean, like I said, this kid is – he's starting to, like, really show why how special he truly is. There are not a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL who can do what Trevor Lawrence has been doing on a week-to-week basis recently. So good for him. And for Dallas – a little worrisome for me. I mean, I was saying Dallas is the best team in the NFC. I don't think so after this case. I think this is kind of like a pretty derailing loss. And the fact that it was really on the defensive side of the ball doesn't make me feel good at all that you're right. Their secondary has some holes. Kelvin Joseph got absolutely torched. And the Jaguars have done a good job of keeping Trevor Lawrence upright recently. And when they weren't able to get a lot of pressure on him, Dallas, Trevor Lawrence is able to shred them apart. So, We'll have to see with what the future holds for Dallas. And I think this game this week against the Eagles will be able to tell a lot. They should be fired up and should really want to come back out in that game and kind of make up and put this game kind of to bed because, again, a really ugly finish. One last shout-out for Rayshon Jenkins had the game-winning pick six. Also had 18 tackles in this game. Uh, former Chargers safety. I believe he signed two off-seasons ago. So a really good get for them. So, a really good game for Rayshon Jenkins leading that Jaguars defense.
That wasn't one of the only games that went to overtime in the early slate. We also had the Kansas City Chiefs narrowly escape Houston 30-24. to Jerick McKinnon had a walk-off touchdown here. I mean, Core, this is another one. You're checking the score. All, you're like, oh, how is this tied? How is this tied? The Chiefs dominated this game in terms of yards and in terms of moving the ball and looked just obviously like the better team. Newsflash, the Chiefs looked better than the one-win Texans. But a lot of self-inflicted wounds in this one. Had two fumbles, um, penalties. I think they had over 100 yards in penalties. Harrison Bucker missed the field goal late. And the Texans really playing for nothing. Played competitive. You'll tip your cap to them. But at the end, is Patrick Mahomes really going to lose to a one-win Texas, one win Texans team? No. Jerick McKinnon finished with over 100 all-purpose yards, two total touchdowns. And the Chiefs, I don't think it says a lot about them. Like, I'm not really nervous about them. It's just one of those weeks that, you know what, it was just one of those grinded-out wins. You didn't, you necessarily weren't as clean as you want to be, but it's, you know what, we got to win. We'll move on to next week, and we'll fix our problems. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking at this as an issue. For the Kansas City Chiefs, I mean, it's it's the NFL. It's a one win. It's a one win Texans team, but like it's still the National Football League. Like they're they're not gonna like lay down and just be like like oh we have one win. You guys are the best team in the NFL. We're just gonna like let you guys win. And sometimes it it's more you got to work harder for it than like it ha- and then it should be. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs come out with a W. I think that's all that matters. I think that's all that's like they're saying in that locker room. I think this is a game maybe they didn't get up for. I mean, it's a one-win team. But at the end of the day, despite despite how you get there, it doesn't really matter. I mean, this is a team, the Chiefs, who have looked really good all year. I mean, they've went into they've went into San Francisco and dominated them. Uh, like, yeah, we still know this is a top team in the NFL, if not the best. So I'm not worried at all. Just um, Patrick Mahomes finding a way to win. I mean, I doubt even Patrick Mahomes, I don't know the guy's mind, but I doubt like he ever had doubt that they were going to lose this game. Like, I think he just this is a this is a game, this is a team. Like, even if you're down against the Texans, you you just know like you're gonna come back in and win this game. And yeah, I said it's the NFL and there's games like this, but end of the day they came out with a W, they move on to next week um for a home matchup against Seattle. I expect them to Come out a little more, like, intense. And, yeah, I think they go from there. Yeah, I agree. I think that a game like this, I don't want to – like, it's not like a wake-up call in the sense, but it's just like a game that's, all right, like, let's let's tune – let's let's get back and let's really focus in. And, yeah, I like that, them coming out next week, especially against Seattle, Seattle a team that's been struggling recently. I think that might be a good indicator to see how well-coached they really are because they're going to come out strong against Seattle. Another thing that I think this game just says, too – is when everybody's always like the college versus NFL debate, right? Oh, the college team could compete against an NFL team. Well, look, the worst NFL team this year is the Houston Texans, who are one twelve and one, and just went toe to toe with arguably one of the best teams in the league for four quarters and lost in overtime. And they didn't play good football at all. They got absolutely dominated in this game. Like, if you look at some of the numbers, so again, it goes to show you that any given Sunday, teams will fight and find a way. For Lovey Smith, it's been a tough year, and it would have been nice maybe to have a Chiefs upset on your resume there, but unfortunately so be it for them. And they got and they got a little bit of a two-quarterback system going there. They got Davis Mills and even Jeff Driscoll's getting some run as a option quarterback there. So, I mean, not, not, not a lot for fans to be excited for. They will have a new quarterback in 2023, maybe even a new coach, but only time will tell. Like, it would have been nice to get a win for the home fans, but instead 
they got to see Jarek McKinnon walk that off. I believe that was like was like a 20-yard touchdown or something, maybe a 30-yard touchdown. But besides the point, Jarek McKinnon kind of coming out of nowhere too, a guy who has really bounced around, was with the Vikings, and then signed with the 49ers and missed like two years there with his injuries. But a, a good reclamation story, if you ask me, for him really becoming I, – I don't know if I'd say like the featured guy out of that backfield – but like, because like Pacheco obviously still gets a lot of work, but I think that at this point, McKinnon's going to get the largest share of those running back touches now from here on out because he's been playing. He had a really good week last week as well, so good for Jarek McKinnon in that. Mahomes also in this game, by the way, is like thirty six for forty one, which is just disgusting too, and is ridiculously efficient, three hundred thirty six yards, helping his MVP case. Uh, Jalen Hurts a little bit banged up right now. We'll talk about that later when we get to our game picks. So it's going to be a good race to the finish for the MVP race. So I'm definitely excited to see that. Staying in the AFC West core, this Los Angeles Chargers had a nice victory thanks to Cameron Dicker's walk-off field goal. Also thanks to Justin Herbert's throw to Mike Williams. Is there a better deep ball receiver than Mike Williams and contested catch receiver than Mike Williams in the league? I'd say probably not. I think you probably sleep on it, but I mean, you give him some time. I think George Pickens eventually could uh could evolve into to better. I mean D Hop very established like go up and type go up and get it type guy. But I mean yeah I'd say Mike Williams I mean I'll say D Hop is still like the best at that. I don't think I mean he's got like a backup quarterback thrown to him this year for some of it. So I mean it's been like he hasn't had opportunities like that. He's been a lot of like short passes but I mean you're talking about like a deep he helps more of like a consistent wide receiver. That's a thing. But like, if I wanted a guy like run a deep route and like go up and get it, I'll still take D Hop. But Mike Williams certainly up there. And yeah, I think Pickens um, also really good. Just doesn't get the targets that much. But yeah, Mike Williams certainly absolute dog at going up and getting it for sure. Yeah, I mean, again, that last play or the second to last play to get them down into field goal range. It just seems like once a week I see Mike Williams make one of these crazy catches. And it just bothers me that he can't, like, put it all together. This is a guy who used to be a former top-ten pick out of Clemson. So Justin Herbert trusting him to make a play, and he goes makes a play. I mean, aside from that, this game was kind of ugly. A lot of – like, in the third and fourth quarter, teams were just matching each other. They both threw intercept. They both had a bunch of punts. Both then through interceptions. Uh, Roger McCreary, I believe, was had a really nice interception in this game where the ball was like going out of bounds. He like jumped and tipped it. Honestly, one, probably one of the best interceptions mm-hmm. of the year. You don't see that a lot. So, a real heads up play from him. For the Chargers, though, a night, and was it, this is the third straight win, right? Or actually, the, the second straight win because they lost to the Raiders a couple weeks ago. Kind of getting right back on track. I still don't think that this is a team that can go deep into the playoffs, but they're showing that they can compete with a lot of, like, with everybody, with anyone. So I'm excited to see them potentially get into the playoffs and see if Herbert can take over a game. For the Titans, it would have been a really nice game to have. I know Ryan Tannehill even got banged up in this one, a bad ankle. But the clock is kind of ticking for them because they play Dallas next week, and now they don't control their own destiny. They have to win that game week 18 against Jacksonville now to keep them in the playoffs. I know we were we, – I don't know if I got an exact answer from you with the Jacksonville now, so I'll ask you here – who do you think is the better team in the AFC South and who do you think ultimately ends up going to the playoffs? The, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are the better team. I think Tennessee gets a win this week to go to eight and seven. You know, I don't want to pick against, I don't know. I think the Jets though are going to beat 
the Jags this week, which would put them two games back. But then that would mean that um, Jacksonville could lose. I mean, Jacksonville could win the following week against Houston. And then if the Titans lose to the Cowboys, it'd be a one game differential. Yeah, I think I think Jacksonville wins this division. I think they'll be able to they get the tiebreaker, which definitely helps. I think um, Jacksonville gets in honestly at an eight as an eight nine team and wins this division. But and I think they're a better team. I don't think Tennessee's really a good team. I mean, in years past, like last year they were the one seed, but this year just feels like different. I know they started off good. They were what, like seven and three, seven and four, something like that. But like who have they beaten this year that's good? I mean, they beat the commanders when Carson Wentz was starting and that was a bad team. I mean, they went into Green Bay and got a win over what, a six and eight Packers team? Like this team really hasn't shown like any signs of being a good like playoff caliber like football team i mean they're really well coached mike rabel i think is one of the best coaches in the nfl but comes to like talent i don't like derrick henry i mean obviously a top back in the league but yeah i think the jags just have better ceiling to them and i just think they're better teams i I think the jags do win this division and it comes down to that last week matchup um against the titans i think they win that and get it in Get in at eight and nine. Yeah, I'm in agreement there. I think Tennessee, like their secondary is not good and their skills on offense outside of Derrick Henry are just very weak. Like their receiver room, Traylon Burks has been dealing with a concussion. That hasn't helped at all. What they do do well is they're a very good run defense and they run the football well. So, you know what I mean? They're able to, in a sense, control the line of scrimmage, which is a formula upset some teams that they can sneak into the playoffs. Like, if they're able to dominate you up front and keep your offense off the field and force you into a lot of second and third and longs, then that's a recipe for an upset. However, yeah, I just don't think they're a very good team either. I don't, And I don't think that they're better than Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville will end up getting into the playoffs. But I, I could see Tennessee, though, just because like it's one of those things, Variable's such a good coach. It just seems like this Titans team of years past just always finds a way to somehow get in. So, like, I wouldn't surprise me, but like it would it would bother me a little bit because I do think Jacksonville is a better team. For Cameron Dicker core, I wonder if there's been a it probably has been, but for a kicker to hit two game winners with two different teams. Like I feel like that's a pretty rare thing, I would think. Normally you don't get cut if you hit a game winner. So probably joins very small company to do that this mm-hmm. year. So good for him. I believe uh, what was that? Week six, I want to say he did it against the Cardinals with the Eagles. Week five, maybe it was. So good for him. I mean, yeah, real good with, um, too. The Chargers also um against the Falcons. I don't know. Wasn't he on? Oh, the... you're right. You're right. Yeah, he did kick the game winner. You did get the game winner there too. He got three. Okay. All right. So excuse excuse me with the slander. Then sorry, Cam Dicker. I will apologize. All right. By all means. Yeah, that was your – you already did hit a game winner this year. So, yeah, right, there, there you go. Three game winners over two different teams. That makes it even – I know the stat now is a little weird, but that makes it even more rare. So, in my mind, Cam Dicker, you made history. We'll move on, core to – I don't know where to start. One of – we saw one of the craziest games that we'll probably – that we've probably seen to date in football. By far, I've seen the craziest play of all time. The lateral gone wrong. The New England Patriots lose – because Jacoby Myers, like Ramondre Stevenson runs the ball up the middle. Everybody's seen it. Pitches it to Jacoby Myers. And Jacoby Myers 
I don't know. He said he knew what the score was. Maybe he didn't. Didn't see, clearly didn't see Chandler Jones. That's what I do know. And Chandler Jones was one of the meanest stiff arms. Puts Mac Jones <laughs> into the ground, runs it forty yards into the end zone, and the Raiders won thirty to twenty-four after scoring two touchdowns in the matter of forty-five seconds. The biggest losers, like I said, like the Patriots' playoff hopes shattered from this. Mac Jones absolutely, like I said, the stiff arm, I don't think it's enough love because of how crazy the play was. Besides the point, I'm getting too off topic. What are you, like, what? How do you, like, but I think there's just, my jaw's on the floor that I couldn't believe that they threw it and it just, like, where is the situation in football? Yeah. Kobe Myers with an absolute mental lapse that he's going to have to live with for some time, but whew, the New England Patriots, I mean, of course, it's the craziest play you've seen, right? I mean, for sure. I mean, Bill Belichick, um, I mean, the guy, obviously, I think probably, like, best coach of all time, honestly. You just hate to see that because, I mean, you know Belichick. There's just no way Belichick had these, like, laterals in store. I don't know. There's no way he was like, all right, we're going to shut off. I mean, you could try it, but, like, I guess it starts with Ramondre, like, you're literally – what is the ceiling of this play? Like, you're literally bad to go backwards. I mean, the only – like, Miami – the Dolphins scored on a Miami miracle on the Patriots a few years ago, so maybe they thought, like, it could happen the other way. But, like, this play, it just has, like, so much things going on. Like, Ramondre laterals it to Jacoby, proceeds to just run backwards and throw the ball 15 yards back and it's not like he's throwing it to, like, a skilled player. It's not, it's not like Percy Harvin is back there about to catch his ball. He is throwing the ball to his quarterback, Mac Jones, who, I mean, Chandler Jones comes out of nowhere. And then, yeah, I agree. I mean, that stiff arm just doesn't even get, like, talked about. Like, Mac Jones, he's got to be partaking in some type of uh, some type of tackling drills this, this week at practice. After that went on, because I mean, he gets completely stiff armed to the ground. Like, it looks like Mac Jones like doesn't even stand like a chance. And I know that's a D lineman, but I mean, I don't know. Have you put like all thirty quarterbacks or, or thirty two quarterbacks? I don't know if any. I mean, I feel like some of them are making the tackle, but I mean, it's definitely tough. I I don't think most of them are getting like stiff armed that much to the ground. So I think maybe Mac Jones partakes in some. uh tackling drills and no shape and form is this on Mac Jones. I mean, you're not like your quarterback's not supposed to be making a game saving tackle <laughs> in that scenario. But what were you gonna say? No, I, I think it's funny in a way that we've kind of like pivoted this to poor Mac Jones and like he gotta make the tackle. But yeah, I mean really the fact that the quarterback had to make a game saving tackle because your receiver threw it 15 yards back across the field is is absurd. And like Mac Jones, yeah, of course. Like they they let Mac Jones unfortunately get put on a poster. So th- thanks Jacoby Myers and Ramonte Stevenson. Ramonte Stevenson too. Don't get me wrong, Jacoby Myers, and he owned up to it in his post game press conference that like he has the ball, he has to like know what to do. I think Ramonte Stevenson. I don't know if this was designed as well. If Patricia was like, all right, maybe lateral it. If Patricia said lateral the football, that that was the worst play ever. But Patricia, Patricia deserves to be fired. But I think it maybe was just like a heat of the moment thing from Stevenson, which is a really bad play from Stevenson because once he laterals it in Jacoby Myers' mind, he's probably thinking that it's like, you know what I mean? It's just like instinct takes yeah. over. Like, why else would you be lateral the football there if you're not also supposed to lateral? You know what I mean? 
It's just uh-huh. such a weird thing. So I think that, like, yeah, Myers knew the game was tied, but at the same time, when you start the laterals, it's almost like, in a sense, it's almost like, just like, all right, then that's what we're doing. We're lateraling it, and we're trying to score because we have nothing else to do. But the game was tied. What are you doing? What doesn't even get talked about anymore is the 40, like, the last second touch, the touchdown before that, the Raiders got, they look completely out of bounds, Keelan Cole. They go to review, and they completely botch the review, and Bill Belichick is probably disgusted with the last minute of how that game went. The Patriots' playoff chances dropped from NBC was doing it before the Sunday night football game. If they would have won, would have like a 60% chance to get into the playoffs. Now they're at like un- like about a 20%. That is a huge swing, all because of one, bad replay review, and two, horrendous <laughs> execution on that play. And maybe you'll see a lot more teams, and especially the Patriots, just need the ball and go into overtime because – that's why sometimes you just do that. That way nothing can go wrong. Not that anything should go wrong on a 20-yard run up the middle, but I, I don't know what their game plan was on calling that play, even just even though it was a simple run and you don't think anything bad's going to happen. But, yeah, sometimes just trying to make a play, doing a little bit too much, and at the end of the day it blew up in the Patriots' face and could really cost them their season. But, wow. I mean, the only other play that I could think in our lifetime that competes with being that bad was that Colts fake punt you remember that <laughs> yeah when Ma- McAfee was like the only guy uh, um oh wait no was it McAfee? no it wasn't McAfee. Nah, one guy under center McAfee was on the field but it was Griff Whalen who was the guy under center and it was it was the backup center he didn't know that he wasn't so it was a snap it but he snapped <laughs> it and he got tackled again the Patriots involved with that I had that written down and I also had like for the Patriots side of things like the Miami miracle so you could argue in the last what four years now the Patriots are on the wrong side of the two, like craziest lateral plays in the history in the in recent history. So, I mean, yeah, did they give Josh McDaniels a little Vegas gift? Maybe their old friend Josh. They felt bad, so they were like, "All right, Josh, we're literally gonna hand you this win." Maybe I guess we'll never know. Maybe, maybe Jacoby Myers likes Josh McDaniels more than Bill Belichick. Who knows? Maybe they hate Josh McDaniels so much that they wanted to give him a win so the Raiders don't fire him and he doesn't come back to New England. If you want another conspiracy, I don't know. I, I could be here all day giving these to you. But it's a big miss out for the Patriots because we mentioned the Do- the Dolphins lost. The Jets also lost late in that game against the Lions. And the Chargers picked up a game with a victory too. So for them, they had, they had a chance to kind of separate themselves, tie themselves with Miami, move ahead of the Jets. I know they have the tiebreaker over the Jets, but they could have made themselves uncatchable really by the Jets going up one game with three to play. So – yeah, just a big missed opportunity by the Patriots, a team that, again, not very dominant. So I don't think, like, even if they would have won, we're still not saying that this is a Super Bowl-bound team. So we're not, like, that upset that this team might not make the playoffs. But, again, just just can't happen for a playoff team. And really just uh, – I, I wonder what the post-game locker room was like with Bill, with Bill Belichick and talking to him. And obviously – these guys are professional. Jacoby Myers feels worse more than anybody. Even Ramondre Stevenson feels bad. So you're not going to rip it. But I would maybe not the maybe not what he said, Belichick, because obviously he's going to like scale back. But what his thoughts were, I don't even want to think. He was. I, I can tell you, Bill Belichick, that flight back to New England was probably the quietest flight in the history of airplane flights. I mean, Bill Belichick. Uh, I could probably just see him like not even saying a word to Jacoby Myers. I feel like he's that type of coach. I mean, I just feel like he's – I feel like he – I don't know. I don't see him, like, just, like, yelling at Jacoby. 
or like Ramondre. Just I feel like he probably just you now I can see that flight back and he just like doesn't have the guys. Like he just doesn't talk to the guys um after after the game. I mean he probably did, but like I just feel like he did I just don't see him like screaming at him. Like how can you can't even scream at players like after that. Like they just know how like stupid that play was or like mm-hmm. how like unnecessary it was. I mean, I guess maybe you just nah, you can't laugh it off because your nah, playoff you can, chance. I know, I, know, I, know, I know what you mean though. Like in the, at the end of the day, these guys are professional athletes. Like if if I did that in high school, you know what I mean. I know that's a bad play. You don't need you don't. I don't need a coach ripping into me. Like obviously I knew that. Like you know what I mean. I messed up, and like you show Meyer show you show accountability. And at the end of the day, as a coach, like especially as you are, you're not gonna like yeah. I I, I kind of get what you're saying here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it, but. Hey, they have a big, big game this week to keep their playoff chances alive against a surging uh, Bengals team. But we'll get into how the Bengals have uh, been playing. They cooked the, yeah, corn. The look at look at you throwing in a little follow into a little, little sprinkle with the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals because we're you know we're talking about them next. The Cincinnati Bengals had an awesome Week 15. We'll say an awesome second half of Week 15. You could call they didn't. It's not officially ruled a turnover. The G- Giovanni Bernard dropped fake punt on fourth down, but that's how the first, second half started for the Bucks. Then four second on top of that, four second half turnovers by the Bucks absolutely destroy them against the Bengals. The Bengals end up winning thirty four to twenty three. Burrow throws for twenty. Uh, Burrow throws for four touchdowns in the second half as they erased a fourteen point deficit. Th- this was this was it for the Bucks. The tires came completely off. You had exchanges between the quarterback and the running back being fumbles. You had Brady getting hit, ball just float, fluttering up in the air. I, it was the Buck season in a nutshell, just extremely disappointing. They played a really good half of football, too, in the first half. Their defense looked really good, and their offense seemed in rhythm for the first time as they went up 17 nothing in the first half. But, man, could they, like, come on. You, you just – I don't like, – after that, they shouldn't even be allowed to even be in the playoff race because that was pathetic. And it, again, the Bengals—you get—it's like almost if you give a master cookie. If you give the Bengals a little bit of life, they've shown the past two years they will run with it, and that's exactly what they did. You cannot expect to win a football game turning the ball over four times in the second half. Although the Buccaneers did also lose the foot, like I believe that playoff game last year with the Bucks and the Rams. The Rams turned the ball over. I want to say like almost four times. I think it was like oh yeah, I think it was like three or four times in from late in the second quarter on in the rest of that game. So maybe I'm maybe I'm a little bit wrong. Maybe you can. But besides the fact, when you're not that good of a football team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers unreal. Like I said, I, I don't know, take, take it from me. I mean, yeah, you go up seventeen nothing in this game. You think uh the Bucs may be like finding themselves. Uh yeah, I mean you win this game, you kinda once they clinch but like you you just need to win one of your last next night i keep thinking there's like well, they have to win that panther they have to win that panthers game anyway yeah they do but i mean yeah you win this game you have a two game lead on the panthers you put yourself in a really good situation and you just blow a 17 to nothing lead and the thing was like they scored 34 unanswered points i mean you're just giving the Bengals, like, good field position in the second half. A lot of miscues, fumbles. Um, 
fake punts, like just interceptions, just all that stuff. And the Bengals are a good team. I mean, like they're really good top team in the AFC. I mean, I think they've definitely – we said Miami, but I think you look – you got to give it to the Bengals right now. It's the third best team in the AFC. So, I mean, this is not like a bad team where you can just like turn the ball over and give them good field position and expect it to not backfire on you. And it certainly did. The Bucks, it's just, I don't know what is wrong. It's just, it's not, it's not a good football team. I think we proved like we've seen it. Um, that last touchdown to make this like score look not like terrible. Like, Russell Gage catches a touchdown, like, late, late, late in the fourth, I think, under a minute left. So, just, I mean, yeah. When you, the Bucks, like, I, I want to say the Bucks, like, you got Tom Brady in the playoffs, but I just, like, can't see this team winning a playoff game. I mean, I don't know who, I mean, it depends who they'll play. I mean, they'll probably, they could play Dallas, to be honest. Um, and it, it probably would be Dallas, I think. Uh, yeah. There's no way Dallas. I I know it's like not a good matchup, and Dallas like loves to like choke. But I would still have to ride with Dallas, and I think the spread would probably be what Dallas minus. I can't see like the Bucks being favored or this being even. I think it's probably like Dallas minus three, or something like that. I don't even care. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut in real quick. But Vegas seems to still respect Brady in that sense. And they the do. one thing I will say too is the Bucks' best game of the year this year was Week One against Dallas. Dallas could do anything mm-hmm. against the Bucks in Week One. The Bucks' pass rush was unbearable for them. They've gotten better up front, gotten more healthy up front. They just got Tyron Smith back this past week. Yeah, I think I was telling some people too. It's like if the Bucks get in, it'll be a little different. But with Dallas going on the road Week One to whoever wins the NFC South, it's gonna be like. A couple years ago, when the Bucks were seven and a half point favorites in Washington, um, for the playoff game, you know what I mean. On the road, they're but they're still a significant playoff favorite. If it's the Bucks at home, they won't be as big. I think, yeah, maybe. Th- well, the Bengals were like three and a half this week. I think three and a half would probably be the number with the Cowboys too. Maybe three, but oh man, what a cowboy! How cowboy like would that be to lose to like the eight and nine Bucks in the first round? That, you couldn't write a better script for that, but I, I don't. I don't think that they like. I don't think that they should either. I think Dallas is a significantly better team, but like I don't want to say that they'd be like. It would probably just be annoying for Dallas because they'd be like, man, like out of all the like out of all the games we looked really bad and like we looked really bad week one. And I know we're not a week the same team that we were week one, but come on, like we got to play these guys again. So, but I I, I just can't see the Buccaneers winning a game. In a playoff game, I just can't. I can't. Whoever wins this division, I can't see winning a playoff game. But I, it's almost like I'd love to see how the Buccaneers come back from this game. They have the Cardinals this week on the road, so with no Kyler Murray, that seems like it should be a relatively, I don't, know, easier game. But you just you just gave up in essence thirty four unanswered points in the second half after you played a really good half of football, but you turned the ball over five times. I know again, these are fixable issues for your own team but you can't like you give the Bengals had four drives starting in the second half inside the Buccaneers 40 yard line because of these turnovers like that's just unacceptable you can't give a very good team that the Bengals again the third best team in the AFC I will confidently say to this point and honestly a team who deserves to maybe be mentioned even in some Super Bowl contender circles because they are a very good team and again you give them a little bit of a shot, they will break through that door. But th- I think this says more about the Buccaneers just 
not being a good football team and them not being able to put a full game together. I mean, just just ugly for poor Tom Brady that it's come to this. One of the lowest, probably one of the worst regular season losses, hold say, of his career. Career, I'll even go with, just because of how it happened and like how you turn the ball over that many times consecutive on consecutive drives. So we'll see if the Buccaneers can bounce back this week. They have huge division games down the stretch. They have to win that game against the Panthers because the Panthers beat them earlier. So they would, the Panthers would gain head to head on them. So we'll see how it plays out, but zero confidence I have in the Buccaneers. And it seems like you don't either. Before we get to our game picks, our last game that we will talk about is the Sunday night football game core that I was real happy to see. 20 to 12 victory for the New York Giants over the Washington Commanders. An absolute one of the biggest regular season games for the Giants in recent memory. Thanks to Kayvon Thibodeau, who had 12 tackles, three of them for a loss, and a huge strip sack early to get the Giants a touchdown on the board. The Giants played a great second quarter, and in the second half, treaded water enough. They got a huge strip sack on Taylor Heineke in the red zone. And I know, Core, I don't like to say, like, I'm I'm a little biased, but there definitely was a little bit of suspect officiating down the stretch. I can even admit that. I think that the Terry McLaurin call was a pesky call. Like, I don't – like, obviously the ref isn't just out to get Terry McLaurin. So, I don't necessarily like the people being like, well, they told Terry he was good, and then he threw the flag. He should have the Like, I doubt that's what happened. But don't get me wrong. That is definitely, like, when the receiver normally checks with a ref if he's on and he's good and the ref acknowledges it, then, like, even if he's not on – like, it, it, the ref acknowledged it. So, that's fair. But the P.I. call, a little bit. Don't get me wrong. Kevon Thibodeau gets poked in the head, in the face on that play. It should have been illegal hands in the face. should have been offsetting penalties. However, don't take away from the rest of the game that the Giants were able to get a gritted out win. Saquon Barkley looked really good in the second half. That last drive where the Giants ended up taking a field goal, he looked awesome. And Daniel Jones continues to put on a real good showcase for this organization and finally gets a win in primetime. The numbers don't jump out on you, but he was able to stay ahead of the sticks today uh, on, on Sunday night. And again, 31, 21 for 32 with 160 yards. People who don't watch that game are going to look at that and they're going to be like, yeah, like that was so like, that's so bland. But he made some big throws on third down when they needed him to and ultimately played into rhythm of what this team needs to. So and for the Giants, they set themselves up really good for the playoffs. Now probably only need to win one of these last three games to get in. Washington, they can complain about the refs, but shouldn't have put yourself in that position. Obviously, if Taylor Heineke doesn't get – they still would have to get the two-point conversion. Also, Taylor Heineke, they could have scored a couple drives earlier, but Dexter Lawrence had a huge strip sack on Taylor Heineke. So, I mean, you can offer a different vantage point how you thought the game went. Obviously, I'm going to be a little – I got my big blue bias on, but, yeah, an awesome win for the Giants to – they didn't look great early on, and that Kevon Thibodeau sack really got them going. He was an absolute superstar, and he showed it this week. I mean, yeah, Kevon Thibodeau was all over the field. I'll start with him. I mean, early in the first, he was just getting off blocks, just constantly just beating, um, just beating the Washington O-line. I mean, that strip sack, and then um, fumble recovery in the end zone was, was tremendous. And then even that last play, like that, like that last drive. I mean, he had a lot of tackles in this game, and a lot of like TFLs, um, getting to the quarterback. But that last play, dude drops in the coverage on Logan Thomas, and then makes the the tackle on on Taylor Heineke. To... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. The fact that I did not mention that 
is disgusting. I deserve I deserve to be punished. The play that he to stop Taylor Heineke on that third down play, like that was incredible from Kayvon Thibodeau. That was unreal. That was probably arguably his second best play out of the night. I'm mean, continue. That was that was unreal. It completely looked over the fact in how good of a game yeah, he had. That tackle was one of his biggest. Mm-hmm. Certainly a difference maker for this defense. I think, yeah, he missed time early, but I mean, with him, this defense obviously is a lot, a lot better. I think the, I didn't really watch, I can lie, until that last drive. Like, I didn't watch a lot of the second, second half of this game. But I mean, yeah, early seemed like, I mean, the commanders were moving the ball at times, but yeah, I mean, the Giants come up with timely, timely turnovers. And when they had the ball on offense, yeah, when, when, when it was needed. They they made drives and got touchdown. Saquon Barkley punched in a touchdown in the second quarter. Do I still like? Do I think the Giants? I know Giants, I'm not gonna say like the Giants are good, like like a good football team in my opinion. I like they are a group who who has heart. Also, I mean they're all, they're also really well coached, and I mean yeah, they're a team who like Daniel Jones. Like from a stat line, definitely it doesn't look good, but I mean. I think Daniel Jones, like a tough quarterback who who honestly like hasn't been turning the ball over, makes the right plays, um, stuff like that. I mean, you look at the skills group. I mean, it's actually like pretty, pretty poor. I mean, you got Richie James, guys like a returner. Um, Slayton's your wide receiver. One Isaiah Hodgins, like and you got Saquon in the backfield. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just a tough skills group. So. For the, for this like on paper the Giants also bank they're all, they are banged up on defense but like it's just not a like pretty team on paper but I mean Kayvon Thibodeau is a difference maker for that defense and I mean yeah this team has heart so I think they're another team who's played in like a lot of close games I I think like when they're in close games like they are able to win a lot of those I mean the games like they've lost. They've lost to the Lions. It wasn't really close. The loss of the Eagles wasn't really close. The the Cowboys, the it was like a two-score game. I think they had yeah, they had a late touch on the cover. But like if this team could, like you're in a close game with the Giants, like um they know how to like win these games and they have a lot of like heart. So I think I don't think they'll win a playoff game. I mean, I know you're probably hoping to prove me wrong, and this guy Corey's just not a good guy. But I just I don't know. I don't think like they have the, the talent to win. A playoff game, but I think like heart and like desire, um, and and coaching, in in their defense will will be able to keep them like relevant. But I mean, yeah, certainly a good win, big win, and yeah, I mean they they control their own destiny to get into the playoffs now. Should be um, yeah, you said only one win, and they'll be in, and then anything could happen from there for sure. Yeah, I'll be I'll be realistic. I mean, it's evident that this team in almost every game is at a talent disadvantage uh, across almost every position. There are a lot of holes on this roster. They weren't expecting to really compete as much as they did this year. But at the end of the day, this is a team that's battle-tested similar to the Vikings when it's the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game against some teams. The Giants will be more comfortable with that because of how they've been able to deal with these type of games this year. They're, they've been experienced with that. And – they give up a ton of yards on defense. They do an awesome job of holding teams to field goals and not giving up touchdowns. So their defense, while it's been brutal in the sense of how many yards they give up, maybe not as bad as people think, their defensive line, too, can definitely win them football games. And it did win them this football game this past week between Thibodeau, 
Aziz Ojolari, their other edge rusher, Leonard Williams, who got back from a neck injury. And again, Dexter Lawrence, one of the most underrated interior defensive linemen. He should be a pro bowler this year. He's been outstanding. And he had the strip, uh, the force fumble on Taylor Heineke as well. So that's a defensive line who could get after the quarterback really well, only sending four. And you know, Wink Martindale loves to send even more than that. So who knows? Like I said, if you get into the playoffs, how it could go. But they're going to need Daniel Jones if they want to win a playoff game to continue to make some big time throws and somebody of those receivers who an uninspiring group to say the least, but hopefully you can get some good production out of there. We'll switch to our game picks now, core real quick to wrap it up. The Jaguars travel to New York to play the Jets. The Jets, it's a pick them there. The Jets need this one for their playoff push. This is a matchup between Trevor Lawrence, number one pick last year, and Zach Wilson, the number two pick last year. It was all right this past week. Showed some flashes, but still missed way too many easy throws and threw an ugly interception where it's just like, how can't you – like, you got to be able to read the defense there. The Jaguars just had an awesome comeback. Even with that being said, I think the Jaguars are a better team. I'm going to go with the Jets here. I think the Jets match up really well with their pass defense, and they're going to be able to get after Trevor Lawrence enough because the Jaguars offensive line has done a great job recent, uh, recently, but – I really like the Jets here in a spot where they have they, they need this game even more than the Jaguars in the sense. So, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Both these two teams need this game so bad. But I, I just like the Jets, how they match up, especially when they're secondary with the corners. So, I'll go with the Jets here to win this one on Thursday night. Zach Wilson definitely showed, like, some – it's just, like, consistency with Zach. I mean, he, like, doesn't make the – like, a lot of the easy throws he misses. I mean, it just seems like a lot of the missed throws are – so Braxton Berrios, honestly. I mean, I don't know if that says anything about Braxton also, but I think he's more of like a returner type player, not like an every down receiver. I mean, Denzel Mims went down in this one. Corey Davis didn't play. So they were using guys like Jeff Smith, um, Braxton Berrios. But I'm going to go with the Jets also. I think the Jets' pass defense is really good. Like that secondary is elite. It's also why in fantasy I'm terrified to – uh to see how my guy Zay Jones is gonna play this week, but I know I got I gotta start him. So I'm gonna take the Jets. I don't think there's gonna I don't think there's gonna be that many points in this game. I think it's supposed to be rain in um in East Rutherford uh tomorrow, but I'm not I'm not sure about that for sure. But I think I think the Jets win this game. I think it's like a relatively low scoring game, but they need this win to keep their postseason hopes alive. And Jaguars, you said like the Jets need it more. I mean, the Jaguars could afford a loss. That's a thing. Like, if they lose this and then – I mean, they would also need Dallas – I mean, Tennessee to lose to Dallas, which I think is going to happen. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think the Jets win this game and um, keep their hopes alive. Yeah, I think rain definitely plays into – like, it play, it helps the Jets definitely a lot more. I think if you get bad weather there, it could potentially hurt the Jaguars' aerial attack. Staying with a New York team, the New York Giants travel to Minnesota to play the Vikings. The Vikings are three-and-a-half-point favorites here. Newsflash core, I am a Giants fan. I will be taking the Giants plus three-and-a-half and ultimately to win this game here. With the If this is not a one-possession game, throw everything out. I mean, these two teams all year have just played one-possession games, one-possession close games and stuff like that. So you would hope that this is a close game to the end. But, yeah, the Vikings just clinched the NFC North. Obviously, they're still playing for seeding, but maybe the game doesn't mean as much to them as it initially thought. For the Giants, I mean, this could be a letdown spot for both teams, you could argue. The Giants obviously had a huge win against Washington and the Vikings with their comeback. But I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to side with my guys. I think that they're going to be able to get after Kirk Cousins, make his life uncomfortable. I think that if 
Adoree Jackson does not play, Justin Jefferson has a chance to go ballistic. But I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the fact that the Giants are just gonna get too much pressure on Kirk Cousins and make his life so uncomfortable that they're able to win this game late. And hopefully they're able to. I know they don't have the receivers necessarily maybe to do it, but they're able to really take advantage of a secondary for the Vikings that is really weak. So maybe we could see Daniel Jones who. Might have to win a game with his arm in the playoffs. Kind of get a preview of that this week. So I think the Giants plus three and a half to win this one. I think this is going to be a close game. I mean, both these teams are like the one possession glitches. So, I mean, one team's going to lose a one possession game. I think it's going to be a one possession game. And I'm going to side with the home team. I'll take Giants plus three and a half. I think Minnesota at home will find a way to win this game, even though – I mean, yeah, I think Kayvon Thibodeau should have a really good day uh, in Minnesota, but I'll take I'll take the home team here to to win this one and the Vikings to win, but Giants to cover. All right, and moving on to a game that was getting so much luster last week when Micah Parsons and Jalen Hurts were kind of going back and forth. We really didn't even get to talk about Jalen Hurts and what holds for him for this week, the uncertainty. He's got like a sprained shoulder. He's questionable. Honestly, He's not anywhere close to – like, if he's not 100%, I really don't think the Eagles should play him. I think long-term, like, just even for their season, you bite the bullet with this game. They still have a two-game lead on da- – or no, it actually might be three games now, right? In the division? Yeah, it is three right. games. So, like, you're, you're, you'd are you be okay with the division even if you don't have Hurts and you lose this game. So, But still, you want to shove it to Dallas, and obviously with all the banter going back and forth there, and if they win, they do clinch the division. So we'll definitely talk about it more and Hurts if he plays this week, and if not, and what that future holds next week, obviously just in the interest of time today, and obviously with how big of last week was. Getting back to this game, we said that we liked Dallas in this spot a couple weeks back. Dallas, with Hurts playing, was one-point favorites, and then the line shifted up to about minus five, which – indicates that maybe Hurts isn't going to go. That would be with Gardner Minshew. I'm going to flip my pick from earlier. I think if Hurts plays, I do think the Eagles actually do beat this Cowboys team after seeing the Cowboys last week. But without Hurts, I'm not going to get behind them. I'll take the Cowboys to win by five without Hurts, but I will take the Eagles to win the game ultimately if Hurts plays. I think that Hurts these past couple weeks especially has shown me that he's able to win with his arm and I think that, like, with how bad Dallas' secondary was, I think he's going to be able to challenge them vertically. And if the Eagles' offense is able to move the ball, like, push the ball vertically, they're almost unstoppable with how well they can run it with Hurts even in the quarterback run game. So, yeah, I don't think they'd be able to have that success with Minshew in the air, but I think they would be able to have it with Hurts. So that's why I'm kind of – that that's kind of my split. I don't know if you want to make two different picks. You can keep it as the one pick because right now it does stand as a five-point spread. So – I don't know. I, I'm also curious, Core. I know Jalen Hurts, fantasy owner in the playoffs right now. If like what you think, like is Hurts going to end up going, and uh, ultimately what you'll side with on your game pick. I mean, Nick Sirianni said like he's not ruling Hurts out, but I I think I mean maybe he's just saying that to try to like keep Dallas prepared for Minshew and Hurts. Personally, I don't think he's going to go. I mean, the team was thirteen and one. I don't think it's worth risking. Um, I don't know how that would even work. They would probably have a split if they lost it. So like somehow they, I, no, I think Philly's going to win this division, but I just don't see Hurts playing in this scenario. And honestly, if I'm Nick Sirianni, like, yeah, you really want to beat Dallas just because like they're your rival, but I don't think it's worth it. 
the guy with the sprained shoulder. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna like make this pick as the case that he doesn't go because I really don't think he's gonna go. I think Gardner Minshew is like a really good backup, but I mean he just doesn't bring like the same element that Jalen Hurts does, especially on the ground. I think this game is certainly like if if Minshew goes. I think like let's say let's say Minshew goes and Dallas wins this game by like three, four touchdowns. I think Jalen Hurts MVP cases certainly go up. But like if if Minshew somehow comes out here and balls out, I think maybe we're like, oh, maybe Jalen Hurts isn't like as good. Maybe it's a little more of a system quarterback, which I don't think. I think Jalen Hurts is tremendous. So I'm gonna take Dallas minus five in this. I think they win this game by at least a touchdown with Minshew going. I think Minshew will be decent. I honestly picked him up in fantasy just because, you know, like the options on our waiver wire certainly are in. Uh, yeah, you don't want to start Colt McCoy this week. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to just go out there and be like, oh, is, is that Justin Herbert on the wire? Like, nah. So I'm going to ride with Minshew in fantasy, but do I necessarily think, like, I think he'll be decent, but like, I just don't think he'll be what Jalen Hurts, what Jalen Hurts will be. So I'll take Dallas at home. Um, last time these two teams played, uh, the Eagles won. I think Dallas gets the revenge here and covers the spread. Yeah, finishing up real quick on that part that you made with like how this could potentially alter Hurts' MVP case. I think because of how much I'm seeing Jalen Hurts' value to the Eagles, almost like you know what I mean. Maybe I was on the train earlier in the year that like. Hertz is more replaceable than he is now. I think Hertz means that much now, like that much more to this team that I'm willing to flip my pick if Gardner Minshew is at the quarterback position. But with that being said, that's going to do it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the default underscore. I don't know how week 16 could possibly top this past week of football. It was awesome. But hey, each week is its own unique week. We'll have new storylines. We'll have new things to recap. And I'm definitely looking forward to that. Merry Christmas to everybody who celebrates. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. And, yeah, we'll see you for our last episode in 2022 next week. So take care, everybody. Have a good one.